you know, the cops came and like, <laughs> you know, like, so we've got this joke in our old bio is we're forged in the depths of Folly Beach holding cell. We didn't actually get arrested, but we did get <laughs> hassled. Yeah, as Barb said, had some choice words for the officers. <laughs> Welcome to the Peach Jam podcast from Georgia Public Broadcasting where we'll introduce you to a sampling of the truly diverse and incredibly talented musicians from across the Peach State. Each episode will profile a different artist and share songs and stories recorded live in our GPB studios. I'm your host, Jeremy Powell, and on this week's podcast, we're going to meet a band from Decatur whose wide-ranging musical influences culminate together to what they call eclectic folk rock. My name is Ari. I'm Barb Garvin. I'm Richie Jones, and I'm the new guy. We're the Ain't Sisters, <laughs> and we play extremely eclectic folk rock. It seems like when I was talking to you off the air that it's difficult to put your music in kind of a box in a category. So Definitely. try to expand on eclectic folk rock. The Boudreaux, our bass player, has a joke where it's... Uh, we're like the Indigo Girls meets Dream Theater. I think Dream Theater is a little—that's a little far-fetched, but also it's very cute. Uh, so we're—we just got a lot of different influences in our sound, and and that shows in our songs, you know. Yeah, I think we, there, like the the parts where we overlap are things like Patty Griffin, um, Hope for a Golden Summer from Athens. They're like best band ever um and then she's a little bit more like prince Jimi hendrix maybe thank you maybe rage against the machine <laughs> and i grew up listening to like indigo girls and cheryl crow amy mann stuff like that so when you put that together it gets weird and that's what we do and you put all that together and, and decide to play it with a mandolin and <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. and then it ended up having bluegrass in it because that's what all our friends yeah. do. Yeah, <laughs> you'll play a two-beat song, which sounds like a train beat, tukatega, tukatega, and then next thing you know, we're like playing a punk song that goes into reggae. So it just like it just there's there's the palette is endless ultimately. How long have y'all been together? Um, we've been playing music together for maybe close to 15 years, but as the Ain't Sisters 10. We just had our anniversary show at Tree Sound Studios with Paul Diaz, which was an amazing dream come true. And where does the name come from? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, we were down in Folly Beach, South Carolina, and she was teaching me how to surf. I'd never surfed before. We were having a great time. And uh, I got wrecked out in the water, but we decided to go and play on the boardwalk there at Folly Beach, and uh, we're playing, having fun. There's kids, you know, dancing. People have babies. We've got like a good little crowd, and 
people kept asking, are y'all sisters? Are you sisters? And we'd be like, no, we ain't. <laughs> and eventually it kind of took a turn for the, you know, the cops came and like, <laughs> you know, like, so we've got this joke in our old bios were forged in the depths of a Folly Beach holding cell. We didn't actually get arrested, but we did get <laughs> hassled. Yeah, as Barb said, <laughs> had some choice words for the officer. That <laughs> probably not GPB friendly. It yeah. was not in Georgia, though. It was yeah, in South Carolina. Right. Extremely worried about two girls in sundresses playing guitar on the dock. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's good that y'all don't hold a grudge at all. No. Yeah, <laughs> he propelled us. <laughs> so, come on. Come on now. One of the things I've, I've seen that you played is the Hemlock Festival in Lafayette, Georgia. Tell me about the history of it, because when I asked you off the air how many times you've played that, you couldn't count. So what what is it about that event in, in just Say it for the people who don't know. Well, um, yeah, I can answer that you one. Played it the most. Yeah, so um, the Hemlock Fest, they had it at, at uh, Cherokee Farms, which is uh, in Lafayette, and uh, they had it. They had it this past year, and um, but uh, prior to that, it was near Dahlonega and uh, Forest that puts that on. It's a wonderful event. It's awesome. So uh, check out Hemlock Festival for sure. And um, but. Uh, the property is Cherokee Farms, and the person who owned it is a guy named Smokey Caldwell, and he is sort of like a, an American icon. I mean, the guy, uh, he was just kind of like your Willie Nelson character, you know? He was a caver, and he's had so many experiences, and he would always just have these unbelievable experiences of like, you know, pulling up next to a, a Russian Navy ship when he was in the U.S. Army in the 60s during the Cold War and they all like hung out and drank vodka, exchanged belt buckles and like just crazy stories, you know, and he was always like that. And but he always gave us a place to go to be creative. And so there would be festivals and events um, that we'd spend a lot of time up there. And uh, it's actually for sale right now because he just passed away about a year ago. And uh, Hopefully, we're hoping that, that people will look into that property at Cherokee Farms and, you know, and continue that tradition of having creative space for, for everyone. And, um, but yeah, he was just one of those amazing people and uh, got to meet him about 21 years ago. And I played so many different festivals there. T-Dog used to put on uh, uh, the, the Hoot Nannies and whatnot. And um, it's just a magical place. And uh, yeah, that's priceless in itself to have little spots like that. And I know there's lots more of them in Georgia too that we don't even know yet. So we look forward to getting to know where they are. So come on now. I would add that it's 
those festivals, Hemlock in particular, it's it's like a family. A lot of the same bands play every year um, and always open and welcome some new people, but like it's, it's just like going home um, and having it this year at Cherokee. A lot of the events at Cherokee, there's kind of like this other family that exists there. And, and so having it and having the event of Hemlock at the location of Cherokee was like this beautiful merging where the families overlap, but then you're also getting, you know, like the outside of the Venn diagram mm -hmm. all mixing together. And it was just really cool to look out and see this ocean of faces that's like, you know, these different families that you've known in different parts of your life and they're all there together. And they've supported us for, you know, yeah. decades now, you know? Yeah, his, so. his memorial up there was just like so good, hearing those stories about yeah. him and stuff. It's a I museum mean, in his house now. Yeah, his <laughs> house is a museum and, they, you know, the, Cal the Caldwell method of like flipping up when you get your excavator flipped, he like figured out a way and they teach it in the military to this day. It's yeah, like, he's it's a genius. In a book, like, yeah, he's, he's the man. He's special. Yeah, but. As a music fan, I, I love hearing this because these are things that I didn't know. And it helps expand my knowledge of, you know, things that are happening in and around our state and in and around our area. And being able to look up who played those festivals and then find, you know, a hundred different bands I've never heard of that I get to listen to. Right. And I imagine that when you guys travel, like, it's the same way. You're being introduced to new family members right. all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, we also got to see, I've seen John Prine there on Smokey's property. What? Yeah. I remember. I mean, I'm talking, there's, there's, you know, uh, Bobby from the uh, Dead, the Grateful Dead and Dead and Company played there. So there's, there's big artists that's played there too, you mm -hmm. know, when T-Dog put on his events there. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's not just little nooks, but there's also, you get to kind of like rub shoulders with those that have influenced a generation, you know? Tell me some of the places in town and around Atlanta and around the state that you've been surprised as your reception and how fun they are to play. That starts with me. Man, I honestly, the, the dive bar, the Moon Shadow Tavern over in Tucker has always been like a big support and we've thrown some crazy shows there and it's just, you know, your favorite little hometown bar. and. I, I enjoy playing that place, even though they smoke inside. Barb hates the smoking inside, but I think they're about over that. <laughs> I think fun. it's, you know, times are changing. So yeah. um, as far as like little dives go and stuff like that, that, that place has got a You know, but, but she also got like, you know, Eddie's Attic and you got your staples and you've got, you know, Eddie Owens Presents, which is the Red Clay That's Theater. And um, there's so many different places around Atlanta and, um, and around Georgia at that, you know, for that matter. And, um, but yeah, the it's Hunt House. Hunt, Hunt House, that's another great one. Yeah, yeah we there's love just the so many little, and there's little nooks and little places that keep sort of popping up or places it's been a while that's, that you've never even heard of. Or like, you ever been there? Like, no, and you go and you're like, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. And it's just another connection. Everybody's sort of like, it's just, it's, it's interesting. The inner workings of how this whole thing falls together are pretty natural and pretty awesome. 
and I can never get enough of been labeled insatiable. I'm playing with my demons. Cause they're all coming to get me in the end, in the beginning. Never saw it coming, all the red lights mean I'm winning. Gonna have to self-destruct and cap my finger on the button. Not sure where I'm headed, but I'm going. I'm going till I'm gone. So you mentioned Rage Against the Machine and Indigo Girls basically in the same breath. What I want to know is like walk me through some of the thought process between merging all that together, like bringing all that together into one cohesive sound because it seems like you've got a really diverse background and, and a really diverse you know, list of likes. So how does that turn into music? I, uh, for me personally, I think I was having a conversation, I can't remember who it was I was talking to, but talking about Ralph, actually, um, and how you have a specific thing in your head, like you've got this tune, and you've never played it with anybody, and you've got an idea of how you want it to sound, but you really need these people to kind of do that, and then in the same kind of way for me personally I like to let people hear what they hear so it, it's a it's kind of a balance between what I expect and what they throw on it because they generally do something that I haven't thought of and it really adds a lot to the music so arrangement wise and just coming up with ideas that will lift the song to be whatever that song wants to be I guess I don't know it's 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 odd to explain it but it's definitely a group effort and one of those things that is very rewarding when you finally figure out an arrangement that you're like that's it yeah I was flirting with disaster baby she was flirting back I shoot a bird to the cops I'm all in ass to the traffic there's a monkey on my shoulder don't stop talking and when the deck is stacked against me I'm supplanting my attack I guess it's steady how I operate automatic innate I'm digging deep through the fabric of my brain, watching every single minute pass around my way. I see a runner in the distance, and he's blowing out his knee. I'm gonna have to self-destruct. I got my finger on the button. Not sure where I'm headed, but I'm going. I'm going till I'm gone. I think we're constantly growing um, and changing. The sound changes. Uh, the first record that we put out was like much more in that new grass, bluegrass kind of feel. And the stuff that we're writing now is, like, <laughs> I don't know what to call it. There's, no, like, there's no way to I like, put it I can't say what Boucher was saying, but it's uh, like we are representing something. But it's, I think we challenge each other I know she challenges me like crazy. Like I am not uh, like, uh, and she doesn't like it when I do this, but on a skill level, she's like way up here as far as playing guitar, as far as like understanding arrangements and 
har hearing harmonies and stuff like that. Like she's she's born with it. She's got it, you know. And and I've had to like scrape and struggle to get to those places. Um, and she's pushed me. And so when I first started playing with her, I knew I I knew like the basic chord shapes, and I could move my capo around and make it sound like I knew more than I knew. But I, you know, she was looking at me going like, "Why are you putting a capo on there?" And I was like, "Doesn't." Like that's how you get. It. That's how you play an F sharp. <laughs> She's like, no, dude, this is how you play an F sharp. So like, I I've gone from a point where I couldn't even play bar chords to now I'm thinking about. And he's helped me so much too. I actually took drum lessons from Richie because <laughs> I wanted to know how to talk to drummers and how um, to count. Yeah. And how to count and how to, how to stay talk. in time and stuff. Uh -huh. whack it, whack it, There's a language right. to it all too. <laughs> right. But I think too. I think the the coolest part with playing music with them is is that they're not scared to. Uh, tackle an idea, even if it's something that's out of their comfort zone, and just play, and or work on it, and then you know bring it to the table, and it just totally morphs, and it makes everybody stronger. Right. You know? And all of those influences that we came in with are not the influences that we carry through. We've got we're always hearing new stuff, and a lot of it's just local people. Mm. Trapper's Cabin. Oh, if yeah. you don't know who Trapper's Cabin is. You don't Come know. On. You don't know anything. But yeah, that's right. <laughs> Go look him up. Go look Trapper's him up. Trapper's Cabin is amazing. And like I, I mentioned them already, but uh, Paige and Claire Campbell from Hope for, or Hope for a Golden Summer, which is an Athens band. And so we hear these like crazy, our friend Waylon, who mm. passed away. Um, but these people around us are influencing with their sounds and we're just, we're kind of like morphing as we go. So yeah, maybe we started out kind of like Indigo Girls, Prince, Rage Against the Machine, and now we are something completely unique because we've just pulled in all of these influences around us. <laughs> it's like spinning a table, it's got a bunch of food on it, and just goes <laughs> and that's pretty much just the options. <laughs> Still don't know what I want, and I can never get enough. I've been labeled insatiable, I'm playing with my demons, cause they're all coming to get me in the end, in the beginning. Never saw it coming, all the red legs mean I'm winning Gonna have to self-destruct it, got my finger on the foot Not sure where I'm headed, but I'm going I'm going till I'm going When you think about bluegrass as if that's like a basis for you guys, that's typically not something that you're going to see with members of the LGBT community. So speak a little bit about representation in the universe that you're playing music in. Well, I would start by pointing to Mimi from Fruition. Yeah, like, no doubt. She's gay and 
and out. I'm proud about it, and they are one of the better bluegrass bands that exist out there. Um, so I think it's just like anywhere else. Like you, I think maybe in pop culture, they kind of celebrate the LGBTQ community a little bit more. So it's like the more of the forefront of what you're presenting to the public. But with us, it's we're gay, but we don't talk about it. Like we just kind of like go out and do what we do, and we are who we are. And um, I think that that exists within the community, and it's just less of a focus. And there could be a part that seems like, you know, lyrically, whenever they're mm -hmm. writing a song that could be implied to an experience in life, it seems. This is just me as the drummer. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's there as far as the art form, but it's not trying to be anything outside of the art form except for just being ourselves. And right. I think it's the most important part, too. Yeah, yeah, that is certainly my experience is just... I've been myself the whole time and I wasn't necessarily gay the whole time that we, you know, so it's like, you know, I've since come out or whatever you want to call it. I don't know. Uh, but the, yeah, the representation for me is I'm proud to represent. And also it's never really been like, um, at the forefront of my thought, I'm just loving making music and, you know, being, being a part of Pride or whatever is something that I definitely hope to do. Wow.
What would you say to the young musicians who want to be a working musician, not necessarily world famous, but they want to be able to play music and earn a living? Aren't we the young musicians? <laughs> <laughs> when did that happen? <laughs> oh, bless it. Uh, I would, piece of advice would uh, be, uh, be the kind of bandmate that you would want to have. I can't remember who told me that, but I thought that was really great advice as to, I think Radley was talking about it. Mm -hmm. Like, Sounds right. you know, just like if, if you want the most greatest band ever, just try to be that in a musician and also just to be easy to work with and, you know, maintain a certain level of professionalism at rehearsal and anywhere that you go. Colonel Bruce Hampton, always who was a major staple you know in the scene here he uh sort of like had a a thing for all the bands that he played you know that he created of leave your ego at the door you mm -hmm. know and he brought together some of the greatest players in the world you know Derek trucks jimmy herring oteal burbridge jeff sype i mean just it goes on and on but they're all approachable human beings and some of the greatest players on the planet you know and that's because you know it's not about you know this it's about this you know and um I think that brings, and challenging ourselves. And that's the most important thing. Keep challenging yourself. Don't get comfortable. Um, keep lots of irons in the fire, you know? And, uh, and don't do something for the sake of just doing it for the money, but really chase what you love and put everything into it and stay busy. Don't mm -hmm. be idle-handed, you yeah. know? I, I, that's where I was gonna go is, you said about making money, and if you, if you let that be your driving force, then you're, you're going to get distracted and not be doing the thing that is truly valuable, which is making great music. Um, yeah, I think just serving the music and worrying first about that and then about your bandmates and then about the people that are right in front of you that want to exchange energy with you. And if you just do that, then you'll make money. Just and meet people, make friends. Yeah. You know, it yeah. takes a long time to um, build relationships, but it's really easy to burn one down. <laughs> and I think it's where the ego part mm -hmm. is sort of like cast yeah. aside. If you can kick that, you, you've got a good mm -hmm. future ahead of you. As long as you're pushing yourself and, and working hard, you know, you can, anything can be done if you really if you want it bad enough. So. Thanks for listening to this week's episode with the Eight Sisters. You can find their complete musical performances on the GPB YouTube page. This podcast is recorded live in the GPB studios in Midtown Atlanta. Don't miss the next episode when we'll be joined by a former college athlete from Albany who's now a rapper. First day of practice, they're like, oh, nah, let's go. We got to put him, put him in a rotation, get him learning the offense. Um, it was a good time, but I just felt like with some of the things I had to choose between, it wasn't worth what I saw for myself in the future. Cantrell will be here on the next episode of the Peach Jam podcast. The Peach Jam Podcast is produced, edited, and hosted by me, Jeremy Powell. Sandy Malcolm is our executive producer. Chris Howe, our director of photography. Michael Harris, our production coordinator. Rick Smith of RS Lighting is our lighting director, and our sound engineering was provided by Sounds Good. Be sure to join me for the next episode, and in the meantime, please find and support live local music and independent record stores in your area.
Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.